Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. I'm your host, Kimberly Pfeiffer. Today, we're turning our focus to the Enneagram, and more specifically, Type 8s. We're grateful to have with us today Aaron Deller, who is the current Vice President of Strategic Initiatives at And Culture, but she is currently transitioning to leading a sister company called Assemble, and Dan Kerr, who is the President of Burns Mechanical. Both self-identify as Type 8s on the Enneagram. So Aaron and Dan, thanks for being with us here today. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for inviting us. us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our time together. Uh, but before I ask both of you some questions around the Enneagram and Type 8s, let me first give our listeners a quick overview of the system of the Enneagram and more specifically Type 8s. So the Enneagram is an ancient system that identifies nine personality types as a gateway to self-awareness and understanding. It is a tool to understand and explain human behavior, looking at the motivations underlying those behaviors. So really it's the why of what we do. What I love about the Enneagram is that it can help bring our unconscious habits, patterns, and motivations into our consciousness and awareness, really just to become healthier people. Not only does it help us have this self-awareness as an individual, but ultimately it helps us begin to have this awareness of others and their motivations, which allows us then to be more compassionate towards them. So specifically, we're going to look at type mm-hmm. eights today, and we call this type the leader or the challenger. So these are the powerful dominating types. They're self-confident, decisive, willful, and at their lower levels can get confrontational. They are strong, direct people who are often concerned with justice and fair play. However, their all-or-nothing style can sometimes seem overbearing to others and might be exhausting to themselves. So if you're wondering what a type eight looks like, some well-known eights are actually Winston Churchill, Serena Williams, FDR, Martin Luther King Jr., Ernest Hemingway, Aretha Franklin, Jack Nicholson, and Rosie O'Donnell. So Aaron and Dan, you guys are in some great company there with other eights. (laughs) Um, Why don't we get started? Because the best way to learn about the Enneagram, I think, is to hear people talk about their numbers. So why don't you each just take a turn, tell me a little bit about what it's been like first discovering the Enneagram and being a type eight, and then also just living life and noticing your type eightness. Sure. Big open-ended question. I think Aaron's up for going first. (laughs) Uh, So Kimberly, when, when we did this together and you said you're an eight, and the description that you just provided, I'm nodding my head, and yes, you're telling my story, you're in my mind. Um, but when, when we talked about the dominating emotion of eights being anger, I thought, well, that's not me. I'm not angry. I'm not, you know, I'm motivated and confident and disciplined and, you know, sometimes confrontational, but it's because I'm passionate. I had a really hard time, and I I still do. Uh, I think I told you when when we reviewed uh, my results, I said, let's just use the word frustrated uh, because I (laughs) I don't see myself as an angry person. So it was challenging for me to hear that, but I think what I... 
what I resolved to was that, you know, a healthy eight can use an, a motivation or a passion like anger to really fuel something that is for the good and can be really positive. So I was, I was, I was describing to my husband, I'm like, in times of conflict or when something is unjust or when there's something socially that's not quite right or there's a cause that really needs some passion, you really want an eight in your corner because eights, you know, won't back down. They're not going to give up. They're unafraid of conflict. And it's some of those things that I think can make eights unpopular with other people. Mm -hmm. But then I felt a little bit... um, uh, more confident knowing that I could use that frustration in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Aaron. I guess I, I came to it through reading the whole idea of the Enneagram, and I took an online test, and eights, eight was one of the possibilities, but then I worked my way through, is it Rizzo Hudson? Yeah, yep. I worked my way through that book. Oh, and okay. Yeah, so the emotion I had was, you know, oh, wow, this is, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that I'm an eight when I, when I worked through that, that book. And I guess that's really the best way to discover what, what Enneagram type you are is to self-identify like that. But there's absolutely no doubt. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really latched on to a lot of the concepts in there. Like, um, like um, what really resonated with me was um, this, you know, the greatest fear of the fear of being controlled by others. And I think about, um, yeah, that has... When, when I actually heard that that is actually the dominating fear of an eight and that there are a lot of other people like that. And, uh, you know, I'm reading about these people that I know, the names, the names that you mentioned, that, oh, my goodness, this is a, so it was a big eureka, a little bit of embarrassment, but then a recognition of, wow, this is really great. Now um, I have this whole typing that I can focus on. And uh, so that, that really resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of this idea of sort of rugged individualism, um, independent, um, highly you know highly competitive. Um, yeah, when on when tired, frustrated, um, stressed, definitely turn combative. Um, try to uh, dominate. That that's definitely part of the past, and there's been a lot of carnage in my in in my background, and so it's been. Um, you know, a gradual process of learning how to grow toward, um, you know, I guess an integrated version of what an eight is. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, um, my wife is a two, which is what the helper, mm-hmm. yep. and so it was. That was a big eureka as well, because um, I'm drawn to her for a reason apparently. Because when I'm in my when I'm in my better state, when I'm integrating, when I'm getting better, I'm actually growing in that in that direction. And actually, when she disintegrates, she comes toward the low, the low points of the eight. You know, the competitiveness, and so it was very fascinating. Yeah. So it's been very helpful. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great, Dan. Thank you. Um, and just for our listeners, first off, it is a huge challenge to take the Enneagram, the whole system. Um, and try to put it into a 30-minute podcast. Mm-hmm. So please know that you might walk away having more questions than answers. And also, um, we are just scratching the surface. But Dan mm-hmm. really touched on a piece um, that I find is one of the most helpful aspects of the Enneagram, is that really we can go to other numbers and get healthy behaviors from them to help ourselves become healthier. 
And so for an eight, those two numbers that you're really connected to are a five in stress. And then where Dan mentioned his wife is actually a two, that's where eights go in security. And security doesn't mean like everything's perfect, I'm on vacation. It just simply means 80% of your life when you're going to work and sort of doing the mundane. Um, eights can really go, you can naturally go to the lower unhealthy levels, but you can go get high healthy levels of two to bring up some of those things like empathy and more naturally making space for others like a two does. Um, so I don't know, as I say that, is there anything either of you want to add to that or feel free to take it in a whole nother direction? Hmm. We, I, I want to add on to what you said, Dan, um, about control. And when I was listening to other um, podcasts about Enneagram, some another eight said, I don't have to be in control, but I don't like to be controlled. And I thought, yes, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, I want the independence and the autonomy to make my own decisions. And, you know, if I want to take a tangent mm-hmm. and, you know, take a left turn and do mm-hmm. something, I don't want to be controlled by someone, but I really enjoy mm-hmm. having that autonomy to make my own decisions and mm-hmm. to, you know, start something new or finish something or take up a cause. And so mm-hmm. it's that, that, you're, that control, I think, is often, I think people assume that we have to be in control. I don't have to be in control, but I just like to have the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I agree. I guess, and I agree with that. And But um, your question about grabbing other attributes of, um, of other numbers, of other types, um, you said something to me the other day that, that I had never heard before and that really made a lot of sense to me and that went under stress you know I guess an eight gravitates toward a five and the and the high attributes of a five um, you know is what you should be grabbing for and avoiding the lows and um, so for an eight you know that's really being more measured and thoughtful I guess going into some kind of positive withdrawal mm-hmm. uh, disengaging yourself when you're mm-hmm. in danger of attacking (laughs) or, or, you know, inappropriately assuming control of a situation. Um, so yeah, that's, that's very meaningful as you become aware of your own quirks of, of the own ways that you react to things. Um, definitely having an awareness of, of which direction you go has been very helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am curious as you talk about that, Dan, what, have it, has it been like for either of you, I think with both of you, we've talked about making some space between, um, you know, eights are fast decision makers, you know where we're going, how we're going to get there, and you're just ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some of the work that eights needs to do is kind of making space for others of, mm-hmm. you know, what are your thoughts around this? Or how do you feel about this? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, what's it been like to maybe try to put some of that space there? Mm-hmm. So um, Kedrin from Work Wisdom recommended that I read a book called Multipliers. And that was really good because it, it helped me realize that I can be very dominating and how do I make space for others in team settings or in meetings and you know if I'm if I'm a leader in my organization mm-hmm. letting others in and letting them be part of what they're supposed to be there to do so we had talked about just a series of of things that I could do just you know cues pumping the brakes tapping my foot hmm. doing things so that I wouldn't show up so dominating but mm-hmm. letting other people be part of it uh, and I still I still practice those you know daily so I'm not you know just busting in 
into a room being the first one to talk or the first one to have an answer. And I found that those little cues have helped me a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I agree. And um, I guess in my work situation, I've always fought this um, inner drive to basically be a sole proprietor, a mm. consultant. And But for whatever reasons, circumstances, I've always been in organizations where I'm in charge of a significant number of people. And um, so I think I've probably learned through the school of hard knocks that, um, that what happens when you behave like the low eight um, and the, the carnage that I'm talking about, you know. So I think just through the school of hard knocks, I started realizing that, um, you know, it's not about me. If, if an organization is going to succeed, the people around you need to, to have um, room and, you know, the ability even to make mistakes. Mm. Um, so I think it's really kind of school of hard knocks for me. But, you know, how it's really fighting, fighting impulse, you know, in, in an initial sort of thing uh, or an initial reaction, you know, when, when the stress is high at times, you know, allowing people um, to, to say things and to what, be careful of your facial expressions, about how you react to things, because you don't realize as an eight that you have a strong potential of intimidating people. You know, I'm a small man, and it, to me, it, it makes me laugh that I could intimidate anybody, mm -hmm. but that my circumstantial evidence throughout my entire life is yes, I definitely intimidate people. So um, being aware of that um, is, is key. Um, and then withdrawing sometimes, oftentimes it's physically, um, because I need to stay very physically active. I work generally in an office environment or a construction company, but the, the work that I do is generally business development or, or in office work. And so it can become a real struggle when I'm sort of a kinetic person, I need to have outlets for that. And so I need to make sure when I am present around people that I'm doing the best that I can to be at a high, kind of a high energy state. So that withdrawal, pulling myself away from the people is key in making sure I'm making good use of that time. Physical exercise, you know, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, very mm -hmm. important. Yeah, that's, go ahead, Erin. Uh, yeah. So I want to touch on the intimidating piece. I get that a lot, and I've, I've tried to work through it, and I don't like that people say, oh, you're intimidating, or because I'm, I'm a small woman, you know, and, and I try and be mm -hmm. friendly to everyone, and I try very hard to, to overcome this perception of being intimidating. And I talked to some of my colleagues about it, and, you know, they said, well, people just don't understand your motivations. And, you know, I'll be honest, and I'll say, well, my, I'm goal-oriented. My, my goal is just to get to the next goal and then the next one. And, you know, whether it's doing something physically, running a race, or just, you know, work, hitting a sales target, or, you know, building mm -hmm. one or creating one, I also know that I'm very high on self-actualizations, and I would assume that other aides are, where people just assume that... Dan is nodding his yeah. head vigorously. <laughs> yes. yeah. Superpower, as Kedron yeah. would say. Yeah. yeah. Self-actualized. Yeah. 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 So, you know, aides, I think, take something and run with it, and it looks so effortless and easy because you know how to get from A to Z. Mm -hmm. But then I think other other people, it's, it's hard for us to have that empathy when someone doesn't know how to do it because right. it just seems like we pick it up and, and take it. 
so easily. And I think that's another piece that can lead to being intimidating. So I try, and I'm still actively trying very hard to show my moments of vulnerability if I don't know how to do something or if I've failed or, you know, even coming and talking about being an eight. So I I try hard to break down those walls of intimidation by trying to be vulnerable and being courageous. And you are speaking beautifully to one of the biggest pieces of work for eights is learning to be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really eights in their lifetime will have maybe, maybe a handful of people that they trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't go too much into this today, but just briefly uh, the wound or the childhood message that an eight received is that everyone will betray them. Others are going to betray them. So they've really spent a lifetime kind of building up these walls Um, And one of the big pieces of work, which I never thought of, Aaron, so thank you for making this connection for me, is actually um, it's your work for yourself, but then it's helping those around you. Mm -hmm. As you can model being more vulnerable, that helps them to feel a little bit safer. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you for teaching me that today. Yeah. Do either of you want to speak to that vulnerability piece anymore? You know, eights are efficient. I think I'm. I I feel efficient. So to me, I would. I want to take that energy that I'm feeling that is fueling whatever I want to do, and I want to go be efficient with it. So sometimes I don't want to sit and talk about my vulnerable feelings. I just want to move forward and you know be efficient, achieve my goals, you know find something new, explore something new. So I, I don't think it's that I don't care to be vulnerable. I just don't have time to talk about it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just ready to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the world's best, you know, <laughs> talking about my vulnerability or lack thereof. You know, um, certainly I'm married to somebody who expresses herself emotionally, and that you know, it's a challenge, right? Yeah. You know, I might even think that I'm being vulnerable. I'm like, well, it's vulnerable for me, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe not so much. Probably my biggest blind spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's going to that high level of two. They mm-hmm. can be very vulnerable. So right. kind of learning from other healthy twos, what that looks like is a good tool for eights. Mm-hmm. Um, well, why don't I just leave this open for both of you with the question of, are there any other behaviors or mindsets that you find helpful and healthy for you as an eight? Or we could flip it and say, are there behaviors or mindsets that you find yourself doing that are just not healthy and helpful for you? I have one of each. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> you're so efficient. <laughs> it, it's a bit addictive, the, yeah. the dopamine. Um, so you mentioned, Dan, that the physical activity is something that mm-hmm. helps you as an eight. And that's definitely something that for yeah. me, if I can channel my energy, yeah. whether it's conflict or if it's an emotion into physically being active, working out or running or hopping yeah. on my Peloton, that is a huge thing for me. Okay. And it almost takes the competitive out of being an eight from me to you to just me. Can I achieve this? Can I run faster, run harder, whatever it is? And it seems like that takes the edge off a little bit for other people around me if I can fuel my energy into something like that. And I almost have to build that into my schedule because if I don't, I find that something else, whatever it is at the moment, my work, a goal could really consume me. So I've had to find ways to build and schedule that in. Regimen. Yes. Regimen is key, yeah, yeah, for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, just to speak to that really quick, you're in the body instinctive center as an eight. You're with the eights, the nines, and the ones. And that means that you 
know things in your body. You feel things in your body. You just kind of have that gut instinct Mm -hmm. about you. But what can happen is you actually can carry a lot of stress-related illnesses in your body. You take your dominant emotion of anger and you sort of just translate it into your body and into passion and intensity. And so if you don't have an outlet for that, you can see where, gosh, stress-related illnesses would probably, you know, come up for you. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm really glad to hear that I think both of you I've talked to before have excellent kind of physical outlets for yourselves. Yeah. 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 Something that is not good for me as an eight is if I'm around someone who's a conflict avoider. So because I'm an eight Mm. and I'm comfortable with conflict, I am completely comfortable in addressing it and saying, I didn't like when this happened or this really hurt my feelings or this bothered me or let's talk about this. When I am near a conflict avoider that I'm ready to talk about it, but they're not, that's very hard for me because I can continue to press and press and push until I am relieved of the conflict because I I've spoken about it, but the other person is like trying to run away from me because they're not ready to talk about it. So that's been a challenge professionally as I'm Mm -hmm. noticing who's a conflict seeker or who's a conflict avoider. You know, I don't, I certainly don't go around looking for fights, but being a conflict seeker, I'm comfortable with conflict. Mm -hmm. And I'm also, I'm seeking that resolution or that peace that we can find after, you know, we've discussed the conflict. Yeah. So so that's not the best for me when I'm around conflict avoiders. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, yeah. So conflict avoiders, yes, for sure. Um, lack of assertiveness is a trigger for me. Like, for goodness sake, would you just make a decision? You know, <laughs> you know um, um, and yeah. And um, yeah, indirect communication is, is something that starts to drive me a little bit crazy. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of pound my fists on the table and say, you know, let's, let's just get to the heart of the matter. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> get to the point. Yeah. So, There's yeah, not that, a lot of small that can, talk. That can, those can be <laughs> ugly. You know, I have a, I have a guy at work that, um, when I hired him over five years ago, I was in a position where he was put in an awkward position with somebody in authority over him that didn't have authority over me. And, um, and I found myself defending him uh, because that the other person was exhibiting those attributes, and and out of that, I mean, it was I turned pretty ugly, and and uh, so I developed a nickname out of that, and it was Evil Dan, and oh. so we still talk about, you know, he 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 likes, you know, I kind of like Evil Dan, you know, <laughs> and that's the thing. Yeah. I think you know, um, a lot of the quirkiness of the Type Eight actually, you know, the people closest to me kind of admire a lot of those attributes, even though it might internally be causing a lot of turmoil for me mm-hmm. and, and a lot of, like you said, exhaustion, I think. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. the future orientation and and the constant, like constantly suppressing, you know, I'm just itching for a fight. It seems like all the time, some days, you know, it's not all the time, but um, mm-hmm. it's constantly repressing that is, is tiring. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the anger comes in you know you're seeing an underdog in a situation yeah. and i feel like i've gravitated towards those yeah. where maybe that's where you reach to your two as a helper yeah and you're angry because they're being mistreated or something isn't coming to light and you yeah. want to help them and yeah. that's where you get your passion from you're helping this underdog or you know you're forming this alliance to achieve something greater mm-hmm. and i think people admire you know evil dan for that because you help someone out and right. you know you're using your your emotions in a really positive way so right but 
Sorry yeah. about that. I agree. <laughs> That's a sad nickname. I might secretly like yeah, Evil yeah. Dan, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that yeah. can cause some problems. Yeah. But I agree with the positive. On the positive side, um, definitely. Um, you know, I like being an individualist and being independent and being comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And learning, once you start learning how to be constructively assertive, when you really, I mean, to me, the grade eights are the ones that truly have a heart that have gotten in the tune that they really care about people, like mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. And so when you can start having some sort of magnanimous sort of behaviors, that, that's, that's very helpful. Um, so that and, you know, just the, the outlets, the, the withdrawal is also a very good thing. You know, you can have very positive withdrawal. The, the exercise is very key. Goal-oriented exercise, mm-hmm. you know, getting competitiveness out of your system that Mm -hmm. way um that sort of a thing but also uh, a lot of quiet time music and quiet time um Mm -hmm. i I crave and worked it in somehow worked it all in almost on a daily basis Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so it is very helpful yeah Mm -hmm. and if i could add to that meditating i i started meditating maybe six months to a year ago and i found that if i can meditate through some of those emotions that mm-hmm. i might have built up to be a little bit greater than what they actually were <laughs> yep. uh, that has seemed to have helped me use that energy rather than expound it or you know put it on somebody else or mm-hmm. talk with my husband or a peer or a colleague about it just kind of almost internalize it and process it in a way that's healthier for maybe other people around me mm-hmm. so that yeah. seems like that's been effective. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sounds a little bit too like the creating the space that we started off the episode with. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so important for eights that that would be a good tool to help yeah. create some of that space. So I have to say with working with eights and then also with both of you, it's really helped me have a better understanding and a greater sense of compassion where I think I, so I'm a four and uh, sometimes all the numbers, but fours particularly can be intimidated by eights, um, where I have really learned like, no, this is just your passion for helping those, you know, that aren't having justice right now. This is just you being clear and direct and assertive. And, oh, this confrontation isn't that you don't like me. It's this is a good thing for you. So let me engage in this conversation. Mm -hmm. So first off, I just want to say thank you for helping me as an individual have a better understanding of eights. Um, And even to a point of like, I really like eights. Like, I just I think you're probably one of the biggest or the most misunderstood numbers on the Enneagram. And um, I've really come to love eights. So so what I'm going to ask you is, um, what is one thing that you wish listeners could know about eights that people might not know about them or like my kind of older self made these assumptions? So what is one thing you wish mm-hmm. our listeners knew? So um, you'd mentioned being intimidating. And I, I do want to make sure that people understand that I eights goals isn't to be an intimidating person. You know, most eights aren't set out to be a bully or to look for conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just passionate about something. And that's often exuded in, you know, a certain way, a opinionated way. So, you know, I want people to know that eights aren't bullies. They're, they just, <laughs> they've, they've got a fuel or they've got a fire in them. And um, they exercise on that. And it's not that they're frustrated or they're angry, but they actually care. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think that can manifest in, in different ways in people, but it might look like they're angry, but they're they're just passionate and, yeah. and they're doing that for a reason. Um, <clears throat> I think that eights 
in their healthiest state can be a blessing for people in their organizations mm-hmm. and in their life um, for having some of that passion that they have. And Dan, you talked about your wife being a two. I don't. I speculate what my husband's number is. I, I'm, I don't know what it is, but I would tell other people to love and embrace the eights in their life because them embracing them and you know some of the. Um, quirks that they have actually helps to create a very healthy, balanced eight. So um, I think that's really important. Um, And like I said, it's, you know, it's because eights really, really care about people and systems Mm -hmm. that it sometimes might come out as very passionate and emotional, but it's, it's really just because eights care a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would probably go down that exact same line that there's a heart in there, but you know, I work in the Philadelphia construction business. And um, I see a lot of other eights that are running the businesses for whatever reason, um, must gravitate. And there, I do see a lot of really ugly eight behavior. And I'm, I'm on the receiving end of it a fair amount. Um, and I just mean like raw bullying, mm. you know, it, it happens. And there are people who aren't as kind of integrated or mature and, and, or even caring about if they even understand who, who they really are inside. So, but, um, it's helpful for me to understand that they're an immature eight and, and that, you know, you can kind of forgive the behavior, um, say we need time and space here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there was a time in my life when I would not accept being bullied like that. And it could turn out really, really badly for everybody. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, but I'm going to agree with you that, you know, when, when an eight is around people that are supportive and, and are caring, I think that they're going to start drawing out that the better side of the eight, the, the good eight, not the bad eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. You know, and really eights, I mean, the name is the leader, mm-hmm. you know, or the challenger, mm-hmm. but really eights make excellent, excellent leaders and are so important to the world and how the world sort of functions. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is there any other final thoughts either of you would like to say before we close out our time? Um, you know, I, I think it takes some vulnerability to, to go through these exercises and, yeah. and learn about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you talked with me about just the Enneagram and all the emotions that people lean towards, that that was hard. And I realized there's um, an opportunity for anyone, regardless of their number, to go to highs and lows and, and learn from tools and techniques they can use. But for a little while, I would say I wasn't super proud of being an eight, but then I realized mm-hmm. because I'm an eight, I have confidence and courage and I can do anything that I set my mind to. And I, mm-hmm. I know people say not to tell your kids that, but I, I try and embrace that. And I tell my daughter that, you know, we, we're goal oriented. We can achieve anything that we want to. And I feel that confidence now being an eight that maybe it was a little bit misunderstood, but now I'm like, all right, I am an mm-hmm. eight and I'm not afraid of conflict and I mm-hmm. can achieve whatever it is that I need to achieve. And, and so that's, um, a little bit reassuring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is such a beautiful way, I think, for us to end of just how important it is for all nine numbers. Um, we need all of you. And when we maybe first look at all of our numbers, we're like, oh, but really that's not the place to get trapped in. It's about mm-hmm. bringing these maybe unhealthy behaviors into consciousness so that they can be transformed into our best to the world and our mm-hmm. gifts that we have to offer the world. Mm-hmm. Um 
So just thank you so much. I think of all the numbers, it's probably the hardest for Nate to be here and be vulnerable, like we talked about. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for bringing your whole selves here today. Thank you. And um, stretching yourselves into those vulnerable places with not just me, but our listeners. Hopefully yeah. we can help another fellow eight. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully someone out there is nodding their head yes, saying yes, that's me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're not alone on that yeah. island. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, <laughs> my, my pleasure. So for all of you listeners out there, I know the Enneagram can sound a little bit overwhelming if this is the first time that you've heard of it. Um, So if you're interested in more information about the system of the Enneagram or in particular about eights, um, some of our information today came from, and these are places that you can check out, um, is Suzanne Stabile's work um, specifically around the Enneagram Journey podcast, Beatrice Beatrice Chestnut and any of her books or online work, Riso and Hudson from the Enneagram Institute, Hunter Mobley, and Helen Palmer of the Narrative Tradition. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist and we hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions, ask questions, and make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. As is our custom, we'll leave you with some one-minute wisdom from Anthony DeMello. If you would only switch on the light of awareness and observe yourself and everything around you throughout the day, if you would see yourself reflected in the mirror of awareness, the way you see your face reflected in a looking glass, that is, accurately, clearly, exactly as it is, without the slightest distortion or addition, And if you observed this reflection without any judgment or condemnation, you would experience all sorts of marvelous changes coming about in you. Only, you will not be in control of those changes, or be able to plan them in advance, or decide how and when they are to take place. It is this non-judgmental awareness alone that heals and changes and makes one grow. But in its own way, and at its own time.